This is a topical sermon. We don't mostly do topical sermons, but we do periodically do topical sermons. It's a sermon that I wasn't aware that I would be preaching until later this week. And it's a sermon that I prayed a lot about, read a lot of scripture. As a, as a uh, pastor, as a preacher, you never want to admit when you feel like you had to read more scripture than you were planning on before you felt like you knew what you were supposed to preach, but that is what happened. I felt that I was supposed to preach out of this passage in Luke, and then I was like, it's not that passage, and I read 10 chapters in Luke, and then God showed me where I was supposed to preach from. Uh, so, this is a message that is about gratitude, that is about thankfulness. The primary passage, we'll be looking at several different passages. The primary passage is going to be out of Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 11. Luke 11, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? That passage says a lot. It says a lot about who God is. It also says a lot about who we are in our hearts when we are embracing our sin, when we're embracing bitterness and gratitude when we're embracing a place in life where we believe lies that what he has for us is less than good and pleasing and perfect. I'm going to read a few more passages, Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 18. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 4, beginning verse 4, for everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God in prayer. Colossians 3, long part here that looks very similar to Ephesians 5. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Philippians 4, 6, this is incredibly familiar to all of us. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. So, a topical sermon on thankfulness. It's not Thanksgiving. Didn't we do a sermon on thankfulness around Thanksgiving? I think we did. Why would this be what I think the Lord wants us to hear? I would say the emphasis for me as I prepared for the sermon was on how sad it is that we continue to believe the lies of the enemy, Satan, the father of lies, who tries to convince us that there's not something to be thankful for. That takes so many forms. What is the primary thing that we as Christians should be thankful for? Salvation. That is exactly right. The primary thing that we're thankful for is salvation. We think about the story of the man who's been forgiven, this massive debt, who goes and attacks the guy who won't give him a small debt in comparison. And it seems so crazy. It seems so ridiculous. And yet, we deserve hell, and Satan gets us to believe sometimes that we're not getting what I deserve. I feel like I, just get, I should get some more. I'm looking around at other people. Comparison is an enemy of joy. It's not what we're supposed to have. It's not what we're supposed to be doing. But we look around at other people and we think, I, just, I should have more than this. I should be getting more than what I'm getting. And guys, if we're steeping ourselves in the truth, if we're meditating on the truth, if we're sitting in the truth, we deserve hell and everything good that we have comes from God. Many of you are parents, and as parents, you have seen the horrors of ingratitude. You don't have to be a parent to see the horrors of ingratitude, but as a parent, it is galling. The, you know, goodness, I, I still, I, my wife is strict in many ways. There's just a few things. Whatever your childhood was, you feel like is the right thing. Morally right. We do this in marriage counseling with people. You feel like it's morally right, even though it's not even a moral issue. But like, well, when I was a kid, I, I didn't get a lot of desserts. You know, that's just a thing for us. So like, we weren't allowed to have gum for a period of years. That was my fault, because I got gum in my hair, and my mom, it was a whole, whole thing. But we didn't get a lot of desserts. I'll tell my kids, like, it's time for bedtime. They're like, we didn't have bedtime dessert. I'm like, you got, what? Did you guys, well, that lunch, that's lizard, Dad. That is not, that's a lunch dessert, lizard. And now there's dinner, dessert, but this is bedtime snack. The speed at which people move from gratitude for this unexpected blessing to entitlement is staggering. But guys, that's not different for us as adults. In fundraising for Thrive, I have to check my heart constantly because it's so easy to move from being so grateful for every gift to feeling like, well, I mean, of course, you, you, gotta, you, you owe this to us. Like, we're doing great work. You guys are rich. Like, what, let me connect those for you. Like, we're helping kids. That's good. You don't have as much time to help kids because you got a boat to take care of in the Caribbean. So let's, you give this and I'll do this. And guys, Thrive is not owed anyone's money. 
not, it's not an invoice. Every time that God provides for the kids, I need to have gratitude. Every single time. So, comparison is an enemy of joy. It is absolutely not helpful for us at all to compare ourselves to others, but we absolutely should compare ourselves to ourselves in our lost state. When he, that's, that's also why this summer we're going to be talking about this when we go and share our testimony. Your testimony is about you apart from Jesus, and now, now you. Now the difference that is in your life. Over and over in many of these passages, it is just absolutely follow-on in an obvious way that you're to be thankful for what Christ has done for you and forgive one another. Forgive one another. Forgive one another. If you find it harder and harder to forgive others, go back to the beginning. Think about what you deserve, which is hell, and then think about what Jesus did for you. While we were his enemies, Christ died for us. Another piece of this, though, is believing a lie that is so simple. I hope I can give an illustration that you'll remember that will just blunt some of this, this attack from the enemy. I was asked a trick question. I think it, it was certainly a trick question in the sense that Danielle was around. So it was like the best birthday present you've ever received. It was like, anything from my wife over the years? What would she say is most meaningful? <laughs> but they were, you know, what's the best birthday present you've ever received? Well, the thing that came to mind that was the biggest memory in my mind of just this is your birthday and unbelievable and just a roller coaster of emotions for me happened in 1987. 1987. I got to go over to the Amstons' house to swim in their pool. They were in 1987, both in their 80s, and they were dear members of our church, and they gave the same amount of money to all of us for our birthdays that I don't think had changed with inflation since the 60s. So it was, I think it was like 50 cents and like dimes that were taped to something. But it was really sweet. The big thing was we got to swim in their pool. That was, I mean, we got to swim in a pool. That was just awesome. And I get home and there's a couple friends over. And my parents have the cake. Everybody sings happy birthday. And then they hand me a present and it's pretty small. It's a, it's a box. And I look at the box, and I open it, and it's D batteries. It's a box of D batteries. And guys, I would like to say that I just said, I love my parents, and they love me, and this is wonderful, and what a blessed life I have. But I did not. I became the most spoiled, horrible brat in the world. And my dad was mad about it, and my mom thought it was funny because she knew that there was a surprise. She thought the whole thing was hilarious. My dad was just like, I don't, we're taking it back. He doesn't get a present now because look at his attitude. He's the worst. But my mom said, Clayton, do you see a streamer? Is there something you should be figuring out? Is you should be looking around. And I mean, I, was, I think I was crying. Like, I was, I was mad. Like, I, was, I, I went from mad to sad, and it was just at a very low point. My parents, I thought they understood me. I thought they loved me. They bought me D batteries for my birthday. I, and, you know, you're a kid. I know what Paul got for his birthday, and I know what Andrew got for his birthday, and my expectations are very different than these D batteries. 
and my mom said, why don't you follow the streamer? And she got to enjoy watching the awe on my face. My dad enjoyed it a little later, but I think he was thinking, what a spoiled kid we already have. Um, but I go up the stairs, and there's a streamer, and it's going up into my room, and the streamer is wrapped around the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. <laughs> Guys. Also, I mean, when you're an adult and you really want, like, I, there's nothing in life that I'm like, oh, man, I, I guess there's a Barrett 50 caliber rifle. I sure would like to have that. I'll never get it. It's incredible. I'll never get it. If I got it, I'd probably feel similar to this aircraft carrier because I've thought about it for years. Wouldn't that be amazing to have? I'll never get it. Wouldn't it be amazing? This aircraft carrier I had dreamed about literally dreamed about. I had thought about it. I talked about I prayed for it at night. Like, this was Admiral Flagg helmed the aircraft carrier. It was six feet long. That was larger than me. And it occupied a lot of my room. And so much of my joy in my heart. And I went from such excitement to a realization that caused deep shame that I had acted terrible. So then I was crying, hugging my parents and crying and saying, thank you so much. I'm so sorry that I had a meltdown downstairs in the kitchen when I thought I got D batteries. And then my, my dad was showing me like, the D batteries are, it didn't come with batteries. You have to have the batteries to use the walkie talkie or whatever on the, uh, on the aircraft carrier. So why am I telling you guys that story? Because the stupidest thing from my life, and I know that I'm very blessed, and I know that I don't have the experience that everybody else has with parents who love Jesus and love me well. My parents had never done anything in my life up until that point to, to make me think they were mean, or to make me think they were cruel, to make me think that they would play tricks on me or, or make me feel terrible for my birthday. Jesus says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The indwelling power of the Holy Spirit for Christians means we are overflowing with joy. Joy is not the same thing as happiness. But joy doesn't depend on our circumstances. And joy is partly because of eternity and with an eternal perspective. All of us sometimes need to step back and say, this pain, this, this challenge, this suffering is not going to last forever, but my relationship with Jesus will. I'm going to be in heaven for way longer than I'm going to be here on this earth. This is a momentary affliction, anything we go through that's hard, and this is a momentary existence on earth. And that's all true. But also on this earth, the power of God lives within us. It's an amazing and beautiful and wonderful thing, and I think so often we're down the stairs in the kitchen crying. Because all we're seeing is some, some D batteries in a little package. And Satan's over there going, he doesn't love you. Look at your circumstances. Oh, if you did better, if you had better, if you just do this over here, you'd have a better life. Look at that guy. He's got a better life. Look at her. Oh, you look at this relationship. You thought it was going to go well. It didn't. 
God does not really love you. God is not taking care of you. God is not looking out for you. Go all the way back to the garden. What Satan come with? Did God really say? Is that really the rule? No. Listen. Listen. He just doesn't want you to be like him. He's actually, you think he's nice, but he's actually kind of mean. He's a mean guy. And he doesn't want you to enjoy what you'll enjoy if you just take this fruit and eat it. His plan's not good for you. It's designed to bring you less than the best. It's always a lie. His will for us is good, pleasing, and perfect. Well, we just got to get in it and walk in obedience, but walk in gratitude. Take up your cross is a part of the message, but guys, take up the cross for your best life now. I know you may have had that message ruined by someone else, but taking up your cross is your best life. Walking in obedience is your best life. There is not a better place to be than where God has told you to go. Does the best mean easy? No. Does it mean prosperity as defined by the world? It doesn't. What we know we have promised is suffering and persecution. We know that's promised to us. But it also means eternal glory and a harvest of righteousness and peace in this life. One more biblical example, biblical story of someone who Satan got tied up in that kind of lie. It also comes from Luke in Luke 19, beginning in verse 20. This is in the parable of the talents. The master has given the talents. Now the master's returned. He's had two faithful servants who took the talents and abilities given them, and they used them for the master's glory. Verse 20. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. The grace and mercy of God can make people forget about his righteousness and his holiness. And that when he comes back, when Jesus comes back, he's not going to look like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and people are going to hug him and put their head against him. People are going to cry out and ask the rocks to cover over their body so because they will be in such terror and fear because of his righteous judgment that is coming. You are not your own you were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And it's the best life you can have. It's, it's what he deserves from us. It's what we owe him. It's also better than anything else we could do. It's also a better place than we could ever be. Over and over, these passages telling you guys to rejoice always are being written by somebody who's in prison who literally has manacles on his wrists, who's chained up. And as he's in prison, he's saying, rejoice always. 
He's in prison going to what? His promised death that he knew was going to happen. Not like, well, we all die eventually. No, no, his execution, when he could have lived for decades longer. But he was killed. He was executed by the Romans. And he knew it was coming. And on the way there, his goal was to walk in obedience, to glorify God, to witness to the jailers, to witness to all the people around him, to encourage people who were living in freedom on the outside. You know how hard that would be? I mean, just think about that in your life. Hey, I'm out of work. I need to encourage my friend who I'm so thankful that God just gave a new job to. He got a, he got a promotion at work. He got a raise. Praise God. Hey, let me encourage you. That's wonderful. I'm praying for you, and I'm so thankful to see that. Our culture is so messed up around this concept, around God's goodness, and around Satan aligning us that he's not good, that we are extra sensitive now to avoid rejoicing lest we offend someone who's in a hard spot. I would like to um, rejoice, but I just, what if there's some people who are sad right now? Well, bring it to the great physician, guys. Does it mean that everything's easy? It doesn't mean everything's easy. It does mean we can have joy no matter what, in all circumstances, and at all times, and that we are commanded to be thankful. Well, sometimes it's hard to be thankful. I, I don't disagree. But we should, we're still supposed to be thankful. I don't feel thankful sometimes. Okay. I feel a lot of sinful things that are stupid, frankly, and foolish. And I have to put my feelings to death. A lot. It does get easier with time. You start to feel it coming. Feel my feelings coming. Uh-oh. Let me take every thought captive. This one says, Clayton, go have fun. You deserve to have fun. Your life should be super fun. Oh, is that thought glorifying God? Does that seem like one of the things God's calling me to? More fun. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not saying that the Christian life is sad and terrible, and if you have any fun, then you're not being a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that walking in obedience is the best life that any of us can have. And that the good gift that he's given us is the promised Holy Spirit, who is our comforter, who lives inside of us, who gives us power and strength to live in obedience, to flee and resist temptation, to put to death the sin that's within us, within our bodies, to walk a life that is pleasing to God. If in any part of our hearts, if any part of our lives, God can work in us, we need to see that and have gratitude for that because that's the power of the Holy Spirit on display. And if Satan can convince us that God doesn't love us, that he doesn't care about us. I mean, I'll say that this is frustrating to me to see as a pastor, but it's also something I still struggle with doing. That is very simply this. Complaining to God about circumstances that were caused by our own stupidity and sin. God is, uh, I'm just so mad right now. I just, I've got all this debt over here. Wait, wait, where did that debt come from? Oh, you know, I mean, there's like a water purifier thing seemed like I needed it, and there was like a 
over and over and over again, if you suffer for righteousness' sake, it's easy to suffer with joy. Does that make sense? It hasn't happened to me a ton. I'm not saying like, guys, let me tell you, I've got 70 stories this year about suffering for righteousness' sake. I'll be blunt. I don't suffer that often for righteousness' sake. But when I do, man, I can do that joyfully. I'm suffering for righteousness' sake. God's called me to this. I walked in perfect obedience for this thing, and now it's hard, and I'm suffering. But okay, I can do that with joy. You know what doesn't feel joyful at all? Suffering because of sin, the natural consequences of sin. Suffering because I did something stupid. Okay. So that just means at that point you have to say, well, I was going to have a God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. I stepped outside of it. Now my life is going to be terrible. No. No. Over and over and over again. We see not just in the New Testament. We see in our own lives we should be able to testify to within the church that God is a God of redemption. God is a God of healing. God is a God of forgiveness. And we screw up and we mess up and we have consequences and they're hard and they're painful. And yet, his mercies are new every morning. He is faithful to us even when we're not faithful to him. He loves us. He draws us back to him. He heals us, cleans us up through the power of Christ's blood. And loves and and brings us into right relationship with him again. So... When are we supposed to be thankful? All the time. Guys, we're get, this is getting pretty good. I feel like, look, we are, we, we can say we're an inner city church. This is the inner city, like, right? City of Knoxville. Lonsdale was brought into Knoxville. So we're inner city. Okay? This is not a suburban church. I'd love for us to get better at this. Let's all say a couple things together. Is, that, is everybody okay with that? Let's start with saying, okay. All right, so when are we supposed to be thankful? And, and there were other correct answers, but I like saying together, all the time. All right? When are we supposed to be thankful? All the time. We're supposed to be thankful all the time. God is good. All the time. Satan is a liar. All the time. All right. I just know that for me, when I'm starting to feel like, I owed more, I should have more, I'm comparing, I'm, I'm down a stupid rabbit hole. Well, God, why did you not, why, I just wish you should have, well, I just, your plan should have. God's plan for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. He loves you. He wants the best for you, and that comes from walking in obedience to him. He is not a human earthly father The truth is, when Jesus says this, in many places, there's this presumption of at least some of the common grace that's demonstrated within families. And it breaks my heart to say, I've known some dads who would give the kid a scorpion. Right? I've known that. I've seen that. But what he's saying is, he, God, is perfect. And he never makes mistakes. And he never lets us down. And he loves us perfectly. Because of that, we can trust him, that he gives us good gifts. How do you figure out those good gifts? I heard a guy talking about a method that was um, something John Wesley used. He didn't, uh, it was from another guy's writing. But the guy would basically start to come up with 
different pieces to be thankful for. I'll tell you one that I know. Guys, raise your hand if you currently are feeling really sick. For those listening on the internet, no one currently raised their hand. When you feel really sick, do you do the thing I do where you're like, Lord, please, when I feel better, I'll be so thankful to you. I will not forget this. I will not forget that it means a lot to me to breathe through my nose. I will not forget, God, that when I can eat and not throw up afterwards, it is a huge blessing. I always think, like, during that time, I mean, around the toilet in the bathroom, I've had a lot of, a lot of promises to the Lord about my thankfulness with my physical health. And generally speaking, I don't do a good job with it. Well, I should be better. I think probably many of us should be better. Okay? So what's one thing to be thankful for? Sandra, I, it, I'm thankful to see you walk into church. I prayed for that. I prayed that that would happen. It makes me thankful to see that. Over and over for us, we should be thankful for that. It's a pretty easy thing to be thankful for. But every breath that we draw is at the pleasure of God. It's through his good gifts to us that we have life itself. Aside from physical health, can we make a list of other things? Again, we started at the beginning saying the number one thing Christians should always be thankful for with an eternal perspective is that we deserved hell and Jesus took the punishment that we deserved. That puts your heart right for forgiving others, doesn't it? Every day, in an intentional way, be thankful. You will see results from that that include the end of anxiety. You'll see results from that that include an ability to forgive others easily. You'll see results from that that include a deep hunger and thirst for righteousness through obedience because you don't sit there and go, I'm not sure if I want to do God's will. I'm not sure if I, is God's will the best for me? I'm not. That ambivalence will be gone. You won't be double-minded. You'll be able to say, thank you, Lord. Everything that you have told me to do has been for my good, even when it resulted in suffering. He is faithful. He is kind. He loves us. He lavishes us with grace and mercy. And thankfulness will fuel our sanctification. Thankfulness will give us the life that we are called to live. And thankfulness in our lives is a choice that is not based on circumstances. It's based on our relationship with the one we owe thanks to. Let's pray. Lord, I did not deliver a sermon tonight that's coming from a place of strength for me that I've conquered, that I'm always thankful, that I never struggle with ingratitude, that I never struggle with entitlement, that I never struggle with comparison. But Lord, I pray that those will increasingly be put to death, that I will see victory in choosing to be thankful and choosing gratitude that there will be no grumbling. I will know the incredible blessings that you have poured out on me, that you've poured out on my family, that you've poured out on Lonsdale Community Church. 
we love you. We're so thankful for the work of Christ. We're so thankful for the many ways in which through creating us and saving and redeeming us, you are bringing yourself glory through lives that we are honored to live. Give us wisdom. Give us a view that always remembers who we were before you and who we can be now through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise in Jesus' name.